0: After the bell with your host Laura. If you like what you hear today, please rate and review kindly. This show is a series of conversations with educators and learners to try and deconstruct some of the stereotypes around education. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit my Instagram page at educatingLaura. Hello everyone, I know that I said I wasn't going to be releasing a podcast until January 11th but I just listened to a podcast by George Kouros, his podcast is called The Innovator's Mindset, I'll put that in the show notes for you if you want to look into it and he asked three questions, one was about an important teacher or influential teacher, an influential administrator as well as something you wish you'd known in your first year of education and, yeah, I guess some advice that you could offer someone going into education or maybe to normalise something that isn't discussed. And George, I did see speak at an educational conference specifically around technology. I think it was in around 2010-ish and I was there presenting on a piece of technology that I used briefly and it was a very – nerve-wracking experience for me. I felt very green but he was a keynote speaker at that conference and he was a principal at the time and I remember being completely inspired by the fact that he saw education so differently to the way that I'd seen it and how I'd been educated and it was kind of a bit like a light bulb moment where I thought actually I don't have to repeat patterns. I can actually redefine this job and this role for myself and You know, I've certainly been doing that more and more with the conversations I've had in the podcast, but it was kind of that first moment of, wow, I don't need to necessarily be that teacher, teach that way, focus on that. I can look within and look at my own values and actually bring those to the profession. I really appreciated George's perspective on that. So I would like to start with the question about an influential educator and teacher and I'm going all the way back to primary school. So, I started primary school a little young. I was, so I turned five the year that I started primary school. And although academically there was no issue for me and probably why I was encouraged to go to primary school, socially I probably was a little bit immature and I found the social dynamics to be challenging at times. I was at a small school, which meant that there was only one class of every year level. And so, there was only a very small Group or social group that you could be a part of. And the way that that worked at the school that I was at, and in the year level I was at, I might add it was not universal for the school, was that there was one or two popular girls. And although they were lovely and are still lovely, I still know those girls, there was a strange, almost competitive dynamic to be friends with them and to be best friends with them. And I never understood and still don't particularly understand popularity, what makes somebody more popular than somebody else. It is unfortunately one of those things that you just kind of have or you haven't or there's, I don't know, you you're right place, right time. I'm not quite sure how it works. I still, as I said, find it relatively unclear. And so for me, because I didn't really get it, I would find myself either trying to act the way others did because it's like they had the rules to the game that I didn't Or I would withdraw and just try and avoid being a part of the situation I didn't understand. And I was also part of four families in my street. We're really, really close-knit group of families. We would go holidaying together and there was a variety of age groups. So nobody in the street was actually in my year level at the school. And in a way that was kind of liberating because I felt as though I could just be myself. I didn't have to try and work out where I fit in that dynamic. And I had a teacher in grade four. Her name was Miss Hall and her first year at the school was teaching my grade four class and I just loved her. I just thought she was amazing. She was young, she was energetic. She got to know each and every one of us and I remember sometime through that year there was a house for sale in our street and she and her husband bought the house and I literally thought like I'd won the lottery. I got to see my teacher outside of class. I got to you know, see where she lived. I just felt as though she was like a bit of a celebrity for me, I think. I found her kindness to be just incredibly supportive. And I did struggle a bit in grade four. I remember this particular situation in which I, and I don't know whether this was because I was socially insecure and whether that made me easier to prey upon, or I'm not quite sure, but I was in this group of girls and this particular girl said, we don't want you to play with us for three days. And I was like, okay, that's the rule. All right. And I accepted that. And I, for three days played alone. And on the fourth day, I came back to the group and said, oh, I'm here, you know, to play and And this girl said, no, no, not yet. We're not ready yet. And I was so upset because I thought I've played by the rules. I've done everything that you've said. And not that I'm condoning this, but I kicked this girl. I was really, really frustrated and obviously not okay. I was taken into the principal's office with this girl and I looked like the bully. I looked like I was the one that did the wrong thing. And as I said, not condoning that behavior, but... As a seven or eight year old, I thought I was following the rules. I thought that that was what we were supposed to be doing. I'd given everybody the grace of, you know, maybe they didn't want to spend time with me that lunchtime or whatever. And all those sort of negative thought forms that then are created from a situation like that in a young person. And I remember not wanting to talk about it. I was so embarrassed I obviously didn't want to be seen as the bully. I also didn't want to talk much about the situation because it made me feel embarrassed that why wouldn't, if, if people knew that I was asked not to play with these girls, what did that say about me? Did I then have to look look at myself in terms of the fact that maybe I'm not a good person or maybe there's something wrong with me? And again, you know, as a young person, that's a very challenging situation And I remember Mrs. Hall calling all of the year four girls together. And I remember her saying, this is not a bad word. I have to use it because this is exactly what's going on. You girls are very bitchy. And we were horrified, you know, that she'd used this word. And she used me as an example. And she said, I see Laura in the classroom, incredibly withdrawn. She doesn't say a lot. She sort of goes along with, whatever is happening and yet when we're in the street at home she's loud she's out there she's playing with lots of friends and in a way I was so grateful because it's like see I do have friends she sort of you know made it clear that I wasn't a social outcast that I did actually fit somewhere even if I didn't quite understand how I fit in that particular situation and she really normalized those conversations and also didn't allow behaviors to go unnoticed and so I think that people started to become more responsible for what they were doing rather than just being silly kids that are you know nobody notices because some of those childhood situations are incredibly traumatic and we don't often give them the time and attention that they deserve because we think oh they're just kids and so I really appreciated her going above and beyond to ensure that those behaviors did not continue and that she saw them and she didn't just dismiss them. And the other thing that she did for me too, she was really fixated and focused on writing and voice and encouraging authentic voice. And I remember writing a story, I always used to love writing stories and she would sit down with me and ask me what kind of language I would be using at grade four. So again, you know, I'm eight or nine. And she would ask me the kind of language I wanted to use. And so I would say, you know, this person said something. And she goes, well, how do you want them to say it? And we would have a conversation about the kind of intonation in the voice and the volume and whether there was kind of an undertone or anything like that. And so then she'd say, well, do you think this person, if they're coming from the top of the stairs saying something to somebody at the bottom says, do you think that they would yell it, shout it, would they bellow it? And I remember going, oh, I didn't realise how much – language could allow me to articulate myself with such purpose and I think the love of language kind of stemmed from that as well and so she was a very very long story but a very very pivotal teacher for me. An administrator that I have the utmost respect for who has since retired was one of my first APs when I started teaching and she was a huge advocate for me, interviewed me, ensured that I was okay, supported the graduate teachers And the main thing I want to say about her is the fact that I remember several times going into her office, sitting down, and she'd just look at me and she would drop everything. And I was not alone. She would do this for most people if they ever turned up at her office. And she would stop everything she was doing. She would sit down and she would give you all the time in the world. And if I was having something that I was struggling with, she was a great sounding board because she didn't necessarily dismiss me. However, she didn't necessarily give me the answer either. She would listen and she would then say, well, look, this is the situation. You have these options. She would often ask me if I wanted her to step in to particular situations, if they weren't going well, or if I needed additional support. And often I didn't. In fact, I don't think I ever asked her to step in. I just needed that sounding board and I needed the transparency of what That situation actually was because sometimes I think you can get really lost in your own head and your own interpretation of situations and her perspective was always appreciated and I just loved that she was completely transparent and also I knew I just we all knew that whatever we said to her in that office would not go any further unless we had asked for it too and I think that in leadership and especially any kind of administrator role you need to be very transparent with your staff if someone has come to you and given you some information if you need to take that further they need to know about it it can't be sort of something that's that's taken without their knowledge and also to understand the way that the world works the way that the school worked was I getting upset about something that couldn't actually be changed or was this something that really needed to be brought to the attention of the administrator and so I really got that transparency and that understanding of the real world from her as well as compassion and kindness I mean I still catch up with her now and her insight and advice is still as important to me as it was in my very first year so she was also a really really important influence for me as an especially as an administrator and I will say I remember she was teaching legal at the time and I remember one day her coming and sitting with me as excited as I was when she got her results and she'd gotten a particular like an extremely high result like a 50 in her class and she was just as excited so it's not like she she never lost the passion for the kids and for the curriculum and yeah I just I loved the fact that she was like that even you know in this higher sort of leadership role. The last part or the last question posed was Something that I wish that I had known. And George Cross talks about how he learnt within his first couple of years not to take everything so personally. And I would, I would second that. I think that that's a very, very important lesson because often there are things going on behind the scenes and you are actually not anything to do with it. You are just there as a bit of a punching board. And he makes the comment too about if you consider who you're the harshest on. Are you the harshest on somebody who could walk away from you like a stranger or yes, somebody that doesn't value you in their life or are you harshest on the people that are close to you knowing that they've always got your back and that you can always come back to them. And I always think about that idea of the mother and this is certainly true for me, that my children are the worst behave for me and not in that they're rude to me, nasty to me, but they are often emotional messes around me. And I certainly relate to this as a, as a person because I know at school, especially... I was trying so hard to figure it all out at primary school and trying to play the game that I was so restricted in my emotions and how much I allowed out because I really wasn't sure really how acceptable everything I was feeling and thinking was. And so then when I got home, I was just this hot mess of emotion because I'd held it in all day. And that's what George Cora says. He says, you know, often you take out things on the people that you care for or know that will support you and you know so if you consider that when there's some kind of outburst in your class maybe it's because you've created this safe space not that i'm saying it's right or fair but it could be that you've created a safe space for them to be their authentic selves and so i would also say in regards to that that what i have learned is that you do not need to be the most knowledgeable in the room in fact if you don't know something sharing the power within the room is incredibly valuable for the students letting students know that you are still learning and that they can be part of your learning journey is really powerful i think for students and the importance of creating a safe and comfortable space where people individual students feel as though they can take risks they can ask questions and they're not going to be patronized or it's not going to be seen as embarrassing or anything like that i think those are things that i've certainly learned to value and to hold up high in terms of my teaching profession. I have got an incredible interview with Dr. Mary Hempel johnson So she is coming on the podcast Monday. I have another series of conversations still coming as well. Some with students, educators, APs. And I will do the second half of my 2020 wrap up. But due to the fact that I'm going back into the classroom this year and I haven't juggled the podcast family life school i will be giving myself a bit of grace in terms of when that comes out and i will be ensuring that the podcast is one episode a week from now on if you would like to contribute to the episode feel free to go to my instagram page the link in my bio there is an opportunity to record a voice memo so if you would like to leave a review leave a question anything like that i would be happy to hear from you Also really important part, obviously, for getting this podcast out there into the ears of the community that would enjoy it. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review it, connect with me on Instagram. All of those things really, really matter. And I thank you so much for being here today. Here's to an incredible 2021.